0: Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. We're talking baseball, Raging Cajun baseball with voice of the UL Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker. How are you this evening, Jay? I'm
1: lovely. I'm absolutely lovely. I don't think anyone has ever used that term with you. No, that's true. That's why I use it myself because nobody else will.
0: Okay. Let's talk baseball. Cajuns and J... Well, take a step back. Earlier in the week, we won two uh, midweek games. Your thoughts on those?
1: I mean... Well... You know, Grambling is Grambling. Okay. That that game with Southeastern was was really kind of interesting because I thought the Cajuns had a few opportunities that they kind of let go by the boards, and at the same time, the pitching staff gave Southeastern one hit. And and you know what Bob Euchre said about that, right? So, um, you know, I I they were they were both impressive wins for different reasons, and uh, and. One of the things that I've liked about this team, and I've broached the subject with Coach Deggs a few times, this team finds different ways to get wins. And that is always the sign of a good team. And so I'm I'm overall, uh, you know, happy with the week. Uh, it's very easy to sit here and say it should have been a 5-0 and o week. But you know what? Sometimes baseball gets you. And, you know, the, the, the game one loss to South Alabama is a game the Cajuns probably should have won. And at the same time, when you play five you know how hard it is to go 5-0? I don't give a damn who you're playing. It's not easy to have a 5-0 and o week. And if you go ahead and follow the top 25, okay, and see how many of the elite teams in the country can't get five and zero weeks. I, I, if you look at it individually and get really myopic about it, boy, that that game one on Friday night just gets in your craw. If you look at it as aggregate, they had a four and one week, and a four and one week. Let me tell you something. Fans would look at this four-in-one week a whole lot differently if they'd have lost to Southeastern and swept South Alabama. And, and I agree. And both of those things could have happened. Absolutely, and, and I think we see that uh,
0: more. I think we both agree that LSU is probably the best team in the country right now, but didn't they just lose two out of three to Arkansas?
1: Uh, no, they lost only one. They only lost one, but, yeah.
0: but the point being is that, you know, even, and, and even Arkansas good te- is a good
1: team. Even the best teams lose sometimes.
0: In, in the in, in the in the the series that I always put point out, I think it was 2015 or 2016. Uh, Air, uh, the Astros were the worst team in the league, and you know they were they were only swept. They were swept. They were they were only swept by one team in Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. and that was the Boston Red Sox, who did not win the World Series that year. So, uh, even your best teams uh, lose games. So. Uh, But moving on, uh, 18-7 on the year. We took two out of three from South Alabama. Let's talk about Friday night. South Alabama got up first, but.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that that this Cajun team is showing me is that they've got got the capability to put a lot of runs on the board, and they've got the capability to do it with different lineups. Um, I think one of the things that is helping this team has been the emergence of Ben Robichaud. Now, Ben Robichaud got one hit in the series in Mobile, but he had an on-base percentage of over 500 because he walked a crap load of times. Um, When when your leadoff guy is continually getting on base, especially with the way with the athleticism that the Cajuns have and their ability to run the bases and turn walks into doubles, um, as a result, this team, this team is scoring runs. And, you know, they fell behind early, but they had the five-run third, and then they fell behind, and then they took the lead again, and you go into the bottom of the seventh, and you're up 11-6. to six. Now you're supposed to win that game. You're just supposed to win that game. I was concerned going into the series because of the fact that we knew that we were going to have to play a doubleheader on Saturday. Now, when you've just come off of two games, and now you're going to have to play three games in two days, I was really concerned about the pitching staff because this coaching staff put together what was going to happen on Tuesday and Wednesday based on playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, okay, we're going to throw some guys on Wednesday. They'll be ready to go on Sunday. Well, now they have to be ready to go on Saturday. And in the case of... um, um, Oh, my God, what am I doing here? Um, I hate it when this happens. In in the case of... um, Well, on Friday evening you had... uh, It was uh, 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 Moody. Moody. Moody, thank you. In the case of Moody, you know, you're talking about a guy who pitched two innings on Wednesday and now they ask him to come in on Friday. And they had to ask him to come in to get six outs because the guy who leads the team and saves came out and walked the bases loaded. And so now Moody's got to come in and try to get six outs. Well, it didn't work. And there are folks that have said, well, they, they, they didn't do a very good job managing the pitching staff. They took a guy who leads them in saves, who's got an ERA under two, and they brought him in, you know, in the, uh, in the seventh inning, hoping to get the seventh and eighth. And it's not the coaching staff's fault that the guy left with the bases loaded and nobody out. So that's where I think it all went south for him because Moody wasn't going to be able to give them that much. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was what it was. It, it, it was a shame, but um, you didn't, you didn't want to leave Friday night with an L, but you did. And so the question is then, how are you going to respond to that?
0: You know, it's one of those things that I kept looking at the scoreboard that you and I talked about last season, I believe is what Coach Rope talked about the game within the game, every three innings. Well we had won the first two, three innings. First six innings we had won and we lost the, the bottom. It's unusual for a team that that lose that wins those first the first three, breaking the game down in three inning games. If you win the first three it's unusual you, you, you lose that last one that it costs you the game. But this is
1: one of those times you know, that it did. You you go ahead and you look back. And, of course, you, you have a tendency to remember losses more than you remember wins. And if you don't believe me, ask any coach, because he'll tell you. We haven't seen the Cajuns give up a game in the final couple, three innings very often, period. You know, whether it was, you know, Tony's... Uh, you know, year where you had really good guys at the back end or, or Degs when they've scored runs and they've had... You haven't seen the Cajuns give it up in the last couple of innings very often in a very long time. So when it does happen, it's like, whoa, what the hell's wrong here? Because it almost never happens. Um, I like their, uh, I like their track record. It just didn't work out. Yeah, and
0: I think what people fail to realize, too, is if you go back to Tuesday night's game... We asked Cooper Rawls to come in and pitch three innings, so he wasn't available on, on Friday evening, but was available on Saturday, and that's what we'll talk about next, is his his one of his performances on Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon, Cooper left everything on the field. And you can talk about he gave up a home run or he did this, but towards that, we had such a big lead, he was told to throw strikes. Don't worry about the home run ball. It's going to happen. And and people are going to look back and say, well, his ERA is this. His freaking ERA is awesome. His whip is under one. He's playing hell of a
1: baseball right well, now. Well, you know, here's – you know, Rawls has been great, okay? the the Where people wanted to criticize was the fact that by the time they brought him into the game in game one on Saturday, the game was already out of hand, all right? Now, when he started warming up, the game was absolutely not out of hand, all right? It was – you know, the was was pitching fine, and at the same time, you know it's what. Go back. It's it's what five five to two after three, and now you're getting to the fifth, and it's still just five to two. So you've got so you got so you got Rawls up and throwing, and he's been throwing a while, and he's hot and he's ready. And then the Cajuns get a seven spot the next inning. Well, you've had that kid up for a while, all right? If you let him sit down and get cold, you're not going to have him for game two. And he's, not that, gonna, he's not going to be available.
0: And Babbrook brought that up during the radio broadcast. You've already wasted him, so
1: you've got to use so you. Him. So you, if you got him up, you got him hot, you got to throw off. And on top of that, what it did was with him able to finish the game, it saved your bullpen for the next game. Um, so, you know, props to Cooper. Um, he's having a heck of a year, and he gets credit for a save, which I think is kind of cool. Um, game three of the series, let me tell you what I didn't like, and I even brought this up during the broadcast. You're sitting there. You get three in the first inning, okay, on the three-run homer by Brock, but you give up one in the bottom of the inning. Then you get... One in the top of the third, but you give up two in the bottom of the third. Then you get two in the top of the fifth, you give up three in the bottom of the fifth. So you have not gone out, scored runs, and then put up a zero, which is how you get momentum. And so you go to the sixth inning, it's six to six, and there is no momentum to be had for either team. In fact, if anybody's got momentum, it's South Alabama because they keep on fighting back. So you get a run in the sixth, and to put up a zero in the bottom of the sixth inning was really, really big. And then Ben Tate, um, who just hasn't, he's got great stuff, but his issue is getting the ball over the plate. Um, You you bring him in, and, and he just cuts him up. He throws 55 pitches. Now, he did walk three and hit a batter, but by that time, the Cajuns had had taken a four-run lead because they'd gotten that three spot late. And so now, you're sitting there, and, 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 the, and the base runners came in the eighth and ninth inning, and when he got into trouble, he made big pitches and got out of it. So that was just huge for that young man because his issue all year long has been strike one for the most part. And... For him to go out and nut up the way he did, I'll go ahead and say it like that. Uh, That was big for this team, and it was big for his confidence, and I hope that that helps to springboard him into some really good things the rest of the year because the stuff is real. His stuff is real. It reminded me of the – I kept looking
0: at the scoreboard reminding me of the Campbell series. Every time we scored against Campbell – they came back and scored against us, except for one inning the whole weekend. And that's what Ben Tate was able to do in the eighth inning. He was able to sh- shut out South Alabama down, not giving the ball back to them, saying, hey, we
1: still got this. He came in after the Cajuns had scored the one run in the sixth inning to take the lead. He comes in with two outs in the inning, and he gets the out that puts up a zero in the bottom of the sixth. And then he goes ahead and he finishes it up. So that was uh, that was very very big, uh, and and that enabled the Cajuns to go ahead and get the doubleheader sweep, and uh, and, and 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 go home not mad. You know we we have talked a lot about Cooper
0: Rawls, Ben Tate, and uh, uh, and I'm always going to say his name wrong. Nezu. we didn't talk about him that much but I thought he did a very adequate job settling down at times.
1: I, you know, I thought his last two outings have been really good. Yes. and In fact, I think his last three outings have been, have been okay. Um, you know, I've been saying his name wrong. It's Nazoo. It rhymes with kazoo, okay? Well, it's it's Nazoo, rhymes with kazoo. Matt, when, when going to Rice, I asked Matt. At the beginning of the year, he, that's what he said. That's what the Florida State pronunciation guide said. Okay. And uh, then I heard everybody else calling him Nezu. Yes. And so I said, okay, well, that's not right. So so Matt adjusted the pronunciation. Okay. Then come to find out that second syllable accent is correct. So it's Nezu rhymes with Kazoo. Okay. Uh, Matt told me
0: Nezu, and I text Ian, and he show, took a picture of the pronunciation guide, so I was like, okay, never mind. I'll shut up. So, but no. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought he has pitched outstanding
1: for what he's doing right now and just all of that. And, and you know what's hilarious is he's still sitting there with an ERA of seven. Yeah. Okay, because he got pounded his first two outings. And. Um, but Coach Deggs talked about that to us. He said he's got the stuff. Yep. And, and, and they were, you know, Brad. Um was the first one that I heard say it, talked about what his problem was and that when he can't keep the fastball down, it becomes flat and becomes extremely hittable. Well, he's been consistently keeping the fastball down, and now the ball's got velocity, it's got movement, and now it's a pitch that's going to get you out. It's funny because Brad and I were talking during the game when Tate came in
0: and he said he's got to keep the ball down, and he hadn't been, but he was able to in that game, so that was... Uh... That was big. Yeah. You know smarter than we think sometimes. Uh, yeah, not really. Um,
1: the, the thing about this team, you know, if people want to start comparing this team to last year's team, and I will admit to you that so far the Cajun strength of schedule is not as good as it was a year ago at this time. It doesn't change what I'm about to say. Because one of the things that Matt Deggs talked about last year, and that was a point of emphasis this year, is to win the free stuff battle. Last year at this time, they were about minus 38 in free stuff walks, hit by pitches, reach on an air. They were minus 38. This year, they're plus 45. Okay? That's a difference of 83. And this team is taking pitches. This team is taking advantage of other teams' wildness. It is no longer a situation of, okay, we're going to go swing at the first fastball we see. They're not afraid to work counts. They are so much better this year in two-out RBI than they were a year ago at this time. Now, this team got good, the last third of the season and two out RBI. Yes. But the first two thirds of the season they were not good. They're so much better now. They've got they're hitting about four hundred with the bases loaded. They're getting the big lick when they need it. But they're winning the battle of the free stuff, and that is so important because if you look at how the Cajuns have won games this year, how many of it's been because they were able to work six, seven, eight walks out of the other team. Or take advantage if the other team started kicking a ground ball. That's the thing I like about this team is they're much more disciplined at the plate and willing to work counts and not worried about if they've got two strikes or not. The three
0: statistics that stand out for me are uh, RBI, which one? want you to talk about, the 179... The only one that's been close is 2014 with 176. But the there's only three through 25 games, three seasons through 25 games, that they've had more than 170 RPIs, RBIs. 134 walks. The next closest is 126. And the, the, these just statistics are through the last 23 seasons. So, um, you know, the, the, the walk's 134. You have to go back to 2005 at 126 to find anything close. And then stolen bases, 83. 2010, this is the next closest through 25 games, 53 stolen bases. But what everybody wants to talk about is, oh, we've been run out of an inning. Oh, we're getting thrown out.
1: You know, we're we're sealing bases at 81%. I'll take it all day long. Yeah, I think if, if you're 75 to 80%, you're really, really good. Um, and they're at, right at 80%, which is excellent. Um, there's, no, there's no getting around the fact that that's an excellent statistic. And I know it's a made-up number because uh, I've talked about it in the past,
0: but extra base hits and stolen bases, which gives you an extra base hit, we're at 166 if you combine the two which is the most in the last 23 years, with the next closest being uh,
1: 148 back in 2004? Yeah, if you compare this year to last year, you've got 50 doubles. That's 20 more than what you had a year ago. You've got 26 home runs. That's four more than what you've had. Now you've got four fewer triples, but you're still leading the league in triples. Um, so your, your extra base hits are better at this time last year, you're slugging under 400. Now you're almost at 470, and so those are some of the things I think that offensively you gotta really, really like. Now, you know their their team ERA right now, even after giving up a lot of runs last weekend, is 4.3. That's still one one fifth of a run better than it was a year ago. Now. We have had years where if you came close to a four ERA, it was, oh, God, what's what's wrong with this team? The Cajuns last year led the league in ERA at four and a half. So, yeah, their team ERA is over four. And what's your point? You know, they... And it's second this year. Yeah. Only to Old Dominion. And, and you know, I'm still not sure... Uh, about Old Dominion because of the schedule that they've played, but y- you're right there. And you're leading the league in hitting and in, in defense. So there's a lot to like about this team right now. Now, yes, their schedule is going to get tougher. Okay. Um, you've got an App State team coming in this weekend that I think is probably Kermit uh, Smith's best team. Because they can really swing the bat and score runs. Their pitching staff's not great by any stretch of the imagination outside of the guy that they've got on Friday. But, they're, um, but they can score. They can swing the bat. And they've been scoring runs against everybody. Then you've got... Then you go to Marshall. But then you have to come back and play Coastal Carolina. And you've still got to play Texas State. You've still got to play Southern Miss. So, yes the schedule's going to get tougher. But the schedule is what the schedule is. And from what they have had so far, sitting here with, what, 18, 19 wins, whatever, 18, I guess it is, 18 and 7. You know, Tony used to say it, 10 before 5, 15 before 10, uh, I'm sorry, 20 before 10. And they're in a position right now to have 20 wins before they get to 10 losses. And, um that's usually a pretty good number.
0: But doesn't it, I mean, I shouldn't say doesn't it, do you think it sets up better for you playing the harder teams at the back end of the schedule, letting you get into a little rhythm, whereas Georgia Southern has been really battle-tested. Now, that
1: could also crush your will to play. Well, it can if you're not mentally tough, okay? I, you know I think this Georgia Southern team is mentally tough. Yes. Um, I didn't want to imply that, but yes. I, I, I and, I, and my answer to your question is I don't know. You know, it, you can. I think you can spin that any way you want to. I just know that when the games are in front of you, you got to go win. Doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're playing a tough schedule early, tough schedule late, tough schedule all year long. The games that are in front of you, you got to go win. And so the the Cajuns, I think for the most part, have done that. There haven't been. A lot of games this year that the Cajuns have lost, where you've gone, "Oh my God, that's terrible!" You know, I, South Alabama game, I think, falls in that category. But they haven't had a lot of those this year. So I'm, um, overall, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where the Cajuns are. I do agree with those folks who have said, "Okay, now let's see what we do against really good teams." I get that part of it. I, I, you know, Half of our fans are from Missouri. Okay, show me, show me. Um, so I understand that. But to discount the numbers that this team has put up because you have a perception about the strength of schedule is to not be fair to this team.
0: fans and I say this from because I never I used to complain to my friends that all not the, you yes to all of my friends that every time a Saints player left he became good you know with another team I was look if he was with the Saints he you know we we trade all our good players but do we do we do we watch the game in a vacuum with not watching everything that happens around the league to see that Teams have blown. We only look at our team. We're, we're most critical
1: about our team. Well, sure we are. Sure we because are. That's because that's who we love. Well, I was about to say, because that's who we care about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, and I got no problem with that. Right. At all. But I do think you have to stop and give credit where credit's due. And I think that there are a lot of things this team is doing that you have to give them credit for. Yes. You can say... Look, as the season unfolds, we have to do this better or this better. Otherwise, we will not win those games. And that is legitimate. What's not legitimate is to decide that because you played this way this series, that that's going to reflect on the rest of the series the rest of the season. That's not fair. Um, Because I don't think you can draw a conclusion based on the last game you saw. This is baseball. And, yeah, there are things this team can do better. You know, this pitching staff still could walk fewer people. You know, this, um, this, this team could still strike out less because this team does strike out a lot. Yes. Um, but, you know, you can't take that and project it to what's going to happen when you play Texas State or Southern Miss or Coastal Carolina or anybody else. Well, you can, but it's not fair. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: looking Looking forward to this weekend, historically the Cajuns have, I won't say struggled, but they've taken two out of three or sometimes lost two out of three to App State, being the first year App State was in the league. But what do the Cajuns need to do this weekend to an App State that's four and two in league play that I think is playing better than...
1: Some people were expect it. Like I said, I think this is Kermit Smith's best team that he's had so far since he took over. Um, what they have to do is go out and match him on the mound on Friday because you're going to see a good arm on Friday. What you're going to see after that pitching-wise can be a little susceptible. So you've got to go out and match him on Friday. So Preach has got to go out and get off to a good start for the Cajuns Friday night because the guy from App State is, is, is good. Now, is he one of the elite pitchers in the league? Now, I, I don't know that I'm going to go as far as to say that. But he's the best they've got, and he's capable of going out and beating you. And he, he held a, a good-hitting Georgia State team down on Friday, uh, in a, played in Boone. Here's the other thing. If you look at home and road splits... App State's been one of the better road teams. Nobody in this league is playing great on the road, but I want to say App State. If you look at them, what they've done on the road, they're five and three on the road. Mm-hmm. Old Dominion's five and one. That's James Madison is is um, no, they're five and five. You know Georgia Southern's four and three. That the, the Cajuns are four and three. But App State has been a decent team away from home. So they've got, um, their team ERA is not good, but they do have the one guy. And they got one guy at the back of the bullpen who's, who's, you know, in my opinion, more than serviceable. So you got to match them on Friday. If you do that, You can go ahead and and let your bats take over. Because I think overall the Cajuns are better offensively than App State is. Although App State's good. They got a guy who's got nine home runs, you know. Uh, And it's not like they play in a small ballpark over there in Boone because they don't. Um, But but I think Friday night's the key. You go out, you take care of your business on Friday, I think you're going to feel really good going into Saturday and Sunday. Because you're going to score runs. Or at least you should.
0: <laughs> I, I,
1: I mean, which
0: I was going to bring up. I was trying to think of how to go back to last Saturday, last weekend. But, you know, you've got that thing that chicks love the long ball. And I tell you, between Julian Brock and,
1: and, and Heath Hood, and those were some monster home runs. Julian Brock's had a sick week. Yeah. Okay? He had a sick week. Five homers, 14 runs batted in. Um, you know, with all of the runs that Coastal Carolina has scored, it's very possible they may have a guy who's the, the, the player of the week. But um, Julian Brock's had a sick week. And, and he has, he hit some balls this weekend. The home run that he hit on Friday night. Let me go ahead and illustrate it for people who, who didn't see the game. At, at Russo Park, you've got your scoreboard and then you've got your video board to the left. At Eddie Stanky Field, you've got your scoreboard, and then you've got your video board on top of that. So it's a very tall scoreboard. He hit that sucker over the scoreboard with height to spare. It was, I think, a uh, list of 458, 461, whatever 458. it was. But I talked to J.T. Crabtree, and he said that TrackMan does not take wind into account. Alright? It... Based on the exit velocity and everything... Is, and the is launch how, angle. And the launch angle is how they come up with how far the ball went. Well, there was a pretty stiff breeze blowing out to left. All weekend. Now, he used Google Earth as a measurement, and I know you did that for us up in uh, Arkansas, up at Little Rock, because yep. I always said that they were lying about the, the distance. And he said it was right at 5.01. I can tell you,
0: it's it's... <laughs> It was awesome to see. And and I, I'm trying to remember, though, if it was Friday or Saturday's first game when Will Veyon climbed the fence for one of South Alabama's home run. And I thought he had caught the ball. But he just wasn't taken out of his glove. He was, you know, I thought it was one of those show things. But I really thought Will climbed the fence. He was up there. And I really thought he had pulled it down. And uh, hell of an effort. But all those guys, I mean, Heath Hood's, uh there were a couple balls hit to right field that I did not think were going out, and then all of a sudden they just kept carrying, and you're going, oh, my gosh. But,
1: you know, Heath Hood, monster weekend as well. Somebody, somebody asked me, said, you know, do you remember, and I think it was Kevin Foote asked me today, they said, I don't remember South Alabama being a, a launching pad like that. I said, well, it's always been a hitter's ballpark, okay. Always been a hitter's it's, ballpark because the wind's always blowing out. I was going to say it's the opposite of our field. It 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 goes. But from, at the same time, I'm going to guess that we've never gone over there and hit nine home runs in a series. That's a,
0: you know that's one there were the,
1: 14 home runs hit by the two teams. It's one of the things that I
0: wanted to look at and pull back up into my statistics with hits and home runs and things like
1: that, so I can look historically. Well, but here, here's what I'm going to say about that. There are no Jason Nortons. There are no Phil Deves. There are no Scott Dolmans, There are, there are no Hunter Moody's on either one of those teams. Yeah. Okay. Which is conducive to having more home runs hit. Uh, Kevin Kevin Hill, when he was at South Alabama a few years ago, yes. I guarantee you, you go over there and you're not hitting five home runs in no. a game off that dude. Um, so I, 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 I think the fact that neither team had a Gunner or legé, um had to, a little bit to do with the fact that there were a lot of home runs over the weekend. And, that, and that's why I have my spreadsheet set
0: up. If you'll notice in 2010, the color is different because that is when the bat changed. And in 2015, that is when the ball changed. And then 2020 is when Coach Deggs came in. So a little different perspective there. But uh, 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 I think a good weekend overall for the Cajuns at being four and one. Yes, disappointing that we're not five and one. Absolutely, but it's time to flush that. And I talked to Bab before the game on Saturday. I said these guys have got to flush Friday night and get in. He said absolutely, and they did, and they did, and they showed that. So, any last words of wisdom before we sign off tonight for Cajun fans?
1: Um, you're asking me for wisdom. I know, I and I and I don't know why I use that word with you. I I don't know why you do either. But um, I I I think the only thing that that I want to say to to folks that are listening is we're not even to the halfway point of this league yet. We're going to hit halfway this weekend. Yep. Yeah. A lot of baseball to be played. So. Enjoy the success. Don't anticipate disaster. And and just enjoy what you're seeing because, look, this team's fun to watch. This team's scoring a lot of runs. You know, the 2005... Everybody talks about 2014, and they should. But the 2005 team's the best offensive team the Cajuns have ever had from a statistical standpoint. And the Cajuns right now are scoring 196 runs. Um... 2005, they had scored 200. There, that's more runs than they had scored um, at this point in 2014. So enjoy what you're seeing, and
0: we'll see what happens the rest of the way. I hadn't planned on doing this, but quickly, are you? I know you're a Major League Baseball guy, you're a Dodgers guy. Are you excited about opening day, or are you just waiting until college baseball over to worry about MLB?
1: You know, I don't know
0: that I would call it excited. Um, I like it because on
1: Monday and Thursday nights I have something to to watch now. Oh no, no, it's very true. Uh, you know the fact that you're gonna you're gonna have stuff to watch. I think is great. And you, you know, you and I are both big baseball fans. Now, I'm a little less cocky going into this year
0: hey.
1: because the Dodgers have lost some good players, and now they've lost Gavin Lux for the year because of a a torn ACL. So my expectations are diminished a little bit because of that. Um, But, yeah, I'm you know, but I've been so, look, between the fact that the Cajuns' basketball season lasted a week longer than what we're used to because of the NCAA tournament. Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. And um, because I missed so many baseball games early in the season. Okay, I've missed 10 games this year. I can't tell you the last time that happened. So for me, baseball season's just kicking in. And now in three days, Major League Baseball, star, it's really snuck up on me, Craig. i got to tell you. Well, I
0: talked to you about it Friday night, and I didn't realize it. But th- that this weekend was the first time you had... Coach Babino in the in the booth. It's the first time that we have worked together. Yeah. And 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 I love you know, Top and I, we're all friends with Top, but they both bring something different and unique, and it's fun to have as a fan listening
1: to the game, you're not hearing some all, of the same all stuff. All I know, all I know is this. They ain't nobody in this league that's got color guys like Brad Topham and Anthony Babino. Absolutely. And 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 I'm telling you, they ain't close. It's not close. A lot of these guys work alone, and those that do have a color man, they ain't Brad and they ain't Bab. We're very, very blessed. I'm very, very blessed to have those guys sitting next to me when we do Raging Cajun baseball. Well, to
0: your point, I spoke with J.D. Byers before the game on Friday night who does the the play-by-play and color for their TV broadcast. He goes, I wish I would have known Brad – was being here, I would have had him come sit in the booth with me. But he said, I don't have the extra setup for him. So, yes, you are blessed. Oh, no, absolutely. And I don't take that for granted. Especially when you're doing doubleheaders, huh? Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, guys. You've been listening we're talking. We've been talking baseball, Raging Cajun baseball, with Voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker. We'll catch you all next week.
1: Bye. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it. Share it. Put it in your podcast. Broadcast it. Or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.